Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in, San Diego. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Zella. Hour number two of Gwynn and Chris and episodes three and four last night of The Last Dance continues to, to to just be the talk of the nation, uh, I think I, I, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think Michael Jordan might have gotten rid of his crying meme last night. Uh, if, <laughs> if you if, if you were watching it, and it seems to be kind of uh, trending across Twitter, is the look he gave to his to the monitor when they asked him to listen to Isaiah Thomas is uh, reasoning. The look he gave, I'm starting to see it everywhere. Don't be surprised if that replaces the crying meme. He'll be so sure. happy if it does. <laughs> he would be absolutely elated. But, uh, yes, the, the thing that was really the focus of the three episodes, three and four last night, were uh, the Detroit Pistons and the Bulls trying to climb that mountain uh, in order to get there. And there's clearly, Chris, there's still some bad blood there. Between at least from Michael Stan, I don't want to say bad blood because that's probably a little bit uh, of a strong word. But there's clearly some still there's still some hatred there, there's some dislike there that Michael has, um, and the same can be said on the other side. Um, uh, Bill Lambert, who was one of the um, main culprits in beating down Jordan in those Jordan rules, uh, was on. Uh, the radio talking to Rachel Nix. I think it was the jump, and uh, here's what he had to say about the Bulls. They, they whined and cried for a year and a half uh, about how how bad we were for the game, but more importantly, they, 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 they were bad people. We weren't bad people. We were just basketball players winning, and that kind of stuck with me because they didn't know who we were or what we were about as individuals in our family life. So all that whining they did, why shake their hand? They were just whiners. They won, they won the series. Give them credit. We got old. They got past us, but Okay, move on. Do you regret now not shaking your hand? Do you stand by no. that? Why would I regret now today? I don't, I don't care what the media says about me. I never did. If I did, I'd be a basket case, uh, especially back then. Uh, so, you know, I, just, I was about winning basketball games and winning championships and did whatever I had to do to get the most out of my ability and our team. And we did. We, at the end of the day, we're called world champions. Chris, All right. there what's he your is. take on this? Bill Lambeer? Yeah, I told you I had him on one time, like ten years after it was all. Oh, that's right, you did. did, did I had him on my show one time when he was coaching in the WNBA, and I just told him, I said, "Hey, I just want to let you know I'm a Bulls fan." He goes, "I'm sorry." (laughs) So he clearly like carries it to this day. It's kind of funny that he says he doesn't care what anybody thinks about it. I think he cares a lot what everybody thinks about it. I think he knows for a fact he was wrong, but. 
I never really, coming from the Bulls' point of view, I was never that upset about it. The Pistons were the better team for three straight years. They knocked them out. And they used the rules that were governing the game at the time in order to defeat the Chicago Bulls. And there was, I mean, you know, it's not like nobody ever called a foul. I mean, they, they only, Lane Beer only got five, six fouls a game. He used them all. But you couldn't do it every single time. I mean, whatever the rules were, they used them. And I think yeah. John Sally had an interesting point in that last night, in the last dance, when they were talking to him. Because remember, I don't know if you remember this, but Sally went on and won a championship with the Bulls at the very end. Yeah. I think he might have even been part of the last dance team. But Sally said the natural progression for the NBA was to take it from Larry to Magic, to Michael, we weren't in their plans, the Detroit Pistons. We were not in their plans. We were not the, we were not the likable guys on the, on the block to come in, and Isaiah said the same thing. So I, always, I had a lot of respect for the Pistons, even though they kept my team from winning for a few years. I had a lot of respect for that team, and I watched them play up close. The two years that I covered the NBA – and cut Lakers up in Los Angeles. Those were the two years that the Pistons won the NBA title both years. And I had a lot of respect Portland. for those guys. Um, I thought they made themselves look bad by walking out early on the Bulls, and that just is something that they have to live with. But personally, they, it, whatever they wanted to do, that's what they wanted to do. So it made them look bad. It, you're 100% right. And I think that's – most people who, who watch the game of basketball, enjoy the game of basketball, didn't ha- don't have a problem with the Pistons because they had Jordan rules. No, I, I think quite the opposite. If anything, they respected the Detroit Lions because Detroit Lions, Detroit Pistons, because they were the team that was able to one of the only teams that was able to keep uh, uh, the the Bulls down. But I think where people sour on them is from that one incident. I mean, Isaiah Thomas paid a tremendous price for being the face of it. Not to say that he was the one who instigated it all, because clearly ben, Bill Lambeard is the one who suggested we don't <laughs> shake their hands. Suggested but Isaiah, he just basically dragged everybody off the court with him. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the point is, is that Isaiah was the face of that team, though. So when yeah. the backlash came, it really only came to him. It didn't hit Joe Dumars like that. It didn't no. hit Dennis Rodman like that. It didn't hit Bill Lambeard like that. It stuck to Isaiah Thomas, uh, and it almost seemed like he was – and they made it seem, at least until last night, that it was him who orchestrated it all. Yeah. You know, I mean, the thing – the one thing that's it's, – it's, it's kind of unfortunate, honestly, for Bill Beer is Bill Beer was an, was an all-NBA player. Now, he wasn't a, a first-team Hall of Fame ballot type of guy, but I'm pretty sure he made a couple of all-star teams. This guy was a good player. Yeah, and it's unfortunate for Lame Beer that the only thing anybody ever remembers him doing is tackling Jordan or tackling Larry Bird <laughs> or punching this guy or throwing this guy down on the court because Lame Beer could play the game, yeah. and it's the same thing I would say about Rodman. When Rodman was with Detroit, I mean, he didn't have the crazy hair. All he had was an unbelievable ability to guard anybody on the floor, maybe the, one of the best ball-on defenders in the history of the game. And I believe somebody mentioned that last yeah. night, and I don't yeah. remember who. David Aldridge, I think, said that. Yeah. And I, my wife said, is that true? And I said, yes, it, it honestly could be true. That's how good Rodman was. 
Detroit had great players. Joe Dumars, you just hit on that. I mean, a fantastic player this guy was. And we talked about Isaiah last week. Detroit took down Boston when Larry Bird was pretty close to the height of his powers. Detroit took down the Bulls with Jordan, and they took down the Lakers with Magic. So it wasn't like they were a one-trick pony. Right. They beat everybody. And for I think about that was three years there. They were un they were really, really good, but they soured everybody on the way they behaved, and that was their own fault, and that's why their legacy is what it is. Yeah, and I think that was the point that they were tr- at least like Isaiah Thomas and the rest of the pistons that were on it were trying to make is that the progression, although from a star wise was Bird, Magic, Jordan, in terms of in terms of teams, it was Celtics, Lakers probably Detroit, Philly in there before it got to, to, to Chicago. Yep. And as they said, as, as we've talked about, they beat Chicago three straight years, and finally when they got over the hump, it was at that point that it became the Bulls' time. And uh, you're right. We, we don't think of the Pistons in the same light probably because of how they handled it um, at, at that particular time. So I've always felt if you had a tournament of the NBA's greatest champion teams – uh, and had like a you know an elite eight, and you know you had the the '90s Bulls would be in there, and the '80s Lakers would be in there, and the Celtics and the '60s Celtics, and some of the great Nick teams, and the Spurs teams. I would put the bad boys in that tournament. Yeah, I yeah. would. I, okay. I, I'll tell you one thing: not only would I put them in the tournament, I wouldn't want to draw them in the first round. No, no, because you're gonna be beat up if you do get out of that <laughs> They're round. They're gonna make for you sure. pay. But they could play, too. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of teams that are thuggish than throughout NBA history, a lot of them, but not too many of them wore championship rings. No, I, don't, I can't think of any that wore championship rings. Exactly. Were so. as aggressive as the Pistons were. All right, we got to step away. We owe you guys some Stratomag baseball. We'll get to it a little bit later. Next up, Dwayne Moose Johnson joins us on the SDCCU Fan Highlight. This is Gwen and Chris San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3. Welcome back to the program. 419 is the time. Chris Ello, Tony Gwynn Jr., Gwynn and Chris. want to remind you, 97.3, the fans' virtual game of the week, Friday mornings at 10 a.m., presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Each week, the fan will stream a simulation of MLB The Show 20 on Facebook at 97.3, the fan. Thanks to Bud Light Seltzer for bringing baseball back to San Diego. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Welcome back to our program. Speaking of unquestionably good, this guy was unquestionably great. And joining us on the SDCCU Fan Hotline, eight years in the National Football League, three times a Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys, twice an All-Pro, Daryl Moose Johnson joins us here on 97.3 The Fan. Daryl, how are you today? Thanks for coming on the program. Good, good. You're stealing some time from me there. Eight years. No, I had – what did I What did I do? What did I do? Uh, I'm 10. I'm 10. 10 years. Double digits are big, yeah. My bad. <laughs> blame pro football – no, just blame my own math, math skills. I'm now it's looking at one. it. 99 to 99. Yeah, 89 to 99. I'm looking at it now. I'm like, okay, I was looking at the wrong thing. It happens. Anyway, Daryl, thanks so much for coming on the program. Appreciate that. And – uh just uh, first, I, my first thought I was thinking about, my first question was going to be whatever happened to the fullback. And, I, yeah. you know, we were, we were talking about the, this, Tony and I, a couple weeks ago, they, they named the all-decade all team for the NFL 
in the 2010s, there wasn't even a fullback on the team. And, you know, when people think of fullbacks, I don't think they think very many better than yourself. So is it a difficult to see your your position disappear like that? Oh, I appreciate that, Chris. That's very kind. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't just 2010 decade. It was the 2000 decade, the 1990 decade, which was the the more surprising one to me. Um, if you if you go back and look at it historically, I, I really think it's the greatest show on turf that kind of was the nail in the coffin for the fullback position. Um, you're trying to stretch your matchups out, you know, four or five wide receivers deep. Uh, on the offense, and somebody's got to come off that field, and, and it was it was usually the fullback, and, and that's with James Hodges, you know, as a part of the greatest show on turf, who was a very, very good fullback, and, and, and the Rams ran the ball very well out of a two-tight end uh, formation with, with a fullback, but, um, you know, just what they were doing offensively and, and pushing that matchup down the ladder and really stressing the, the secondary on the defensive side was the big one, but, but in the decade of the 90s, I mean, you know, Tom Rappin was the guy that I looked up to, um, you know, through the 80s and then into the 90s. And Lorenzo Neal and Sam Gash and, um, you know, Howard Griffith and Tony Richardson. Uh, I'm going to leave some guys out. But it was, I mean, it was it was amazing. I mean, the, the 90s was, you know, as, as good as it was at the position uh, for the modern-day fullback. And that was the surprising one to our group was not even from 1990 to 2000 when you had all these guys playing at a very, very high level at the fullback position, um, there was still not representation on the all-decade team. Yeah, yeah, that's as, that's as good as you can get as far as a, a staple of fullbacks in the league. Daryl Moose Johnson joins us here on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. And, Daryl, uh, what do you think of the overall execution of, of the virtual draft? And do you think uh, it will change how we do drafts going forward? <laughs> right. Um, I, I thought they did an outstanding job. Um, you know, I give, I give Roger Goodell a lot of credit, um, for, for really challenging all the clubs around the NFL, uh, you know, putting, putting the rules in place, making sure they adhere to them, uh, and then being able to run the draft on schedule, uh, on the original calendar that was put in place for the NFL season. Um, it, I thought it was great for everybody around our country for a couple of days to yeah. see something on television that wasn't pandemic related uh you know we're just living in this news cycle that just is repetitively you know bad news and challenges and negativity and that was a really nice break so i i thought he did a great job i thought it was it was really fun to watch him you know become more casual during the course yeah, of the weekend yeah. from you know from thursday night to saturday afternoon um but i i thought it, all the guys who took part in all the round table i mean nobody stepped on each other's toes i mean that's right it was really impressive. That's so hard to do when you're doing everything fed in from remote locations. And they were just, they, they were excellent with their information. Um, you know, you missed not seeing, you know, some of the emotional reactions from the guys with the league and, and different things like that. But all in all, I thought it was executed as well as you possibly could have hoped for. Jim Brown, Larry Zonka, Floyd Little, Ernie Nevers, Daryl Moose Johnson. Did I miss anybody at Syracuse? Uh, Joe Morris. Um, Joe Morris from the Giants. Yeah. Ernie Davis. Ernie Davis. Ernie Davis. I said Ernie Nevers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, not at all. Uh, and and Ernie, you know, it, it's kind of funny. You know, it, it's the Ernie Davis Club. It's Ernie Davis uh, Fieldhouse. Um, you know, <laughs> Ernie is revered um, yeah. in the Syracuse area, you know, being from down near Corning, Elmira. Um, 
So even though Jim Brown uh, is a Syracuse alum, I, I think when you go back to campus, you know, the the legacy that Ernie Davis left uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, – it, it, it's – there's John Mackey. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys that came out of Syracuse. Uh, you had that, some that, tough nose. Uh, I'm getting the fact that there were some very tough nose running backs out of there, yourself included, and a, just something you carried on into the NFL. Uh, I mean, do you, do you ever get to stay in touch with a guy like a Zonka or somebody like that? I got to meet him. He was probably, you know, my favorite player growing up as a kid. Uh, I was a bandwagon guy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny it. So I jumped <laughs> on the '72 Dolphins, you know, when I was six years old. Uh, but, but Larry was my favorite player, and, and did not realize um, he had attended Syracuse. Um, so after uh, after graduation, and you know, he got I got into the NFL, and, and Larry was doing a fishing show, and uh, we actually got to go fishing up. Uh, uh, the Aleutian Islands? Where were we? No, it wasn't that. The Farallon Islands um, uh, up uh, off of Washington State um, for salmon. So that was a blast. You know, wow. Just getting to, getting to spend cool. like three days with him you know, just out on the water. Daryl Moose Johnson joins us here on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. And, and Daryl, you were part of, uh, of the NFL Draftathon over the weekend, helping uh, with that. And you also represented another cause. Tell us about your organization and your Draftathon experience. Yeah, it was uh, it was something I got to do with the uh, the college football playoff championship uh, a couple of years ago. They were doing a campaign for teachers. It only takes one, and uh, you know, for me, it was easy. They wanted to share a story of you know, I had several teachers that made a big impact on me. Uh, you know, growing up, especially through you know the early stages, elementary school, middle school. Um, but my third grade teacher, uh, probably more than any other one. I had a rough second grade year, um, and I finally had a teacher when I was really young that was an advocate for me, um, you know, decided, you know, stood up for me. Uh, and it's amazing, you know, little things that, that somebody does, and it, and it may just be part of their day, but for you it means the world. And, and Mrs. Lozonis was that person for me. Um, so this time around they wanted to come back again and, and pay tribute to, you know, what the teachers have been doing during this pandemic and they reached out and, and I was like, Oh, you know, absolutely. Um, you know, they're, they're the largest single donor, uh, to teacher causes, I think, uh, about $38 million in total, uh, from the, from the college football playoff championship. Um, and they had donated a couple of really unique items for the auction that was, was being held, uh, and got to meet Chris Deere, who was the, uh, the teacher of the year last year from the state of Louisiana. And, uh, it was, it was just, it was awesome. It was awesome. And, and we, um, you know, rightfully so, we talk about the doctors and the nurses and everybody on the front lines of the healthcare system and, you know, our police and firemen and EMTs and everybody that are first responders. But there's been an analogy that's been thrown around during this whole thing uh, when people talk about the challenges and, you know, people will say it's like learning to fly the airplane while you're in the air. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people have been forced to do that and, and to watch our teachers from across the country learn how to teach remotely on the fly you know, for an extended period of time. I think when, when our schools got shut down, you know, I had a feeling that, you know, we'd be out the two weeks, we'd flatten the curve, we'd get back at it, and, you know, we'd be able to finish out the school year. And, um, um, you know, that didn't happen. So, you know, to watch, you know, my daughter, who's a senior, finish up her senior year of high school remotely and, and all the effort that the teachers have been putting in, um, it was an easy decision to be a part of that. So, um yeah, we were able to uh, to raise a little bit of money for the foundation, uh, have some fun with some of the guys 
uh, was on with with Rich Eisen and Kay Adams, um, and and joined by a bunch of other people. Jim Covert was on, was in the uh, the gallery when we were on our Zoom calls. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was cool to see uh, how many different people from different areas around the country, industries, you know, musicians, comedians, athletes, um, and then just regular people that were sharing great stories, uh, you know, from their time during this pandemic. It was awesome. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, as as a father of four children, trying to homeschool them all. Gosh, teachers, they are they are they are what they are underpaid by tremendous amount. Yeah, no yes. doubt. I agree, yeah. Tony. Hey, real quick, Daryl, I know you were you're working as part of the XFL as a general manager and uh, I know that you were really bullish on that XFL and I thought it was really off to a nice start. Uh, what are your thoughts on how it ended and do you think do you think it's something that we need to get we'll we'll get back to once we can get back to normal world? Well, it just seems like spring football has just got forces out there working against yeah. it that are yeah, right. very unusual. Um, you know, the first year with the Alliance, I think we showed with the Alliance that, um, you know, there's there's an appetite for it. You know, the fans, that they want it. We had good ratings, um, you know, with the Alliance. And then when we did the XFL, we had great TV partners. Um, you know, when you talk about, you know, Fox and ABC, ESPN, um, you know, we were able to distribute a high quality product, you know, television wise, and, and the ratings were great again. Um, and this time it's a pandemic. Um, so I, I think we were all extremely disappointed. Um, we understood when we closed down the doors because that was that crazy week. I mean, yeah. opening day was getting pushed back. The NBA and the NHL were canceling or postponing their seasons, suspending their seasons. The NCAA Final Four men's and women's was canceled. Uh, the Masters was put on hold. And, and here we are, the little startup XFL. We knew we were in trouble, you know, at that point. And so yeah. we were going to suspend play. And then, unfortunately, um, the suspension of play became, you know, a Chapter 11 filing. So uh, it, it was disappointing. Um, that we didn't get I, I would love to do a second year I'd love to take that next step with one of these leagues and yeah who knows maybe there's somebody out there that uh that, that can catch timing it's all been timing you know for spring football and, and just hasn't worked out the last couple of years but I think uh, in both occasions I think the fans appreciated it I think the ratings on television showed that there's an appetite for it maybe one of these years we'll we won't have some bad luck and we'll get it figured out and maybe somebody else, uh, if that doesn't happen, maybe somebody in the NFL will be smart enough to get it figured out and get Daryl Moose Johnson as part of their organization. Uh, fantastic. Well, I'd love to see the NFL be a part of spring football, too. I think that, that if, yeah. if, if that happens, then we're, then we're really talking. We're really rolling, yeah. To have success with. Well, as I mentioned, 11 years in the National Football League, <laughs> one of the great fullbacks of all time. <laughs> that part is for sure. Daryl Moose Johnson, thanks so much for spending some time with us down here in San Diego. And, uh, Best of luck with everything, and uh, stay safe. Thank you, Daryl. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Tony. Stay safe. Stay healthy. You got it. Thank you, you so too. much. Daryl Moose Johnson right there. Man, he could – he was a – I would – I don't know. How did you – how do you play the position of cornerback in the National Football League, Tony, come up on a sweep and have to try to elude a guy like that to, and then go make a tackle? Are you kidding me? I'd be running yeah, to the sideline. You gotta be. Uh, you gotta have uh, some heart and a few other things that help you get through. I, I would rather have be, a screw loose. I would. Yeah, loose, I would rather be I the. I would rather be the guy behind Daryl running Emmett Smith. I want to be him running, trailing uh, yeah. Daryl. Yeah, Daryl Moose Johnson, man, what a great player he was. What a great team that was. The 1990s Cowboys, three-time Super Bowl champs, and he was a 
twice an all-pro for that team. Uh, very well-spoken, very good as a broadcaster, too. Yeah, And yeah, uh, I think is. underrated in that regard. So nice having him on the program. All right, we'll take a quick timeout when we come back. Big Five is coming up. We also got to check in with our Padres Stratomatic guys, so we'll do that. Chris Ello, Tony Gwynn Jr. at San Diego's number one sports talk station. We're 97.3 The Fan. want to thank our guest, Daryl Johnston. Daryl Moost Johnson. Of course, uh, before we went to break and had him on, I called him Dwayne Johnson. So please, yes, <laughs> Daryl, please forgive oh, me. Oh, don't I, be buzzing. Don't be buzzing him when... He was just reading it right off of the list you gave him there, Mr. Buzzer. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, that, Buzzer. <laughs> yeah, that, that one will be uh, will be marked down. You'll probably hear about it at the end of the week at some point. I bet we um, will. Uh, of, of course, uh, Daryl Johnston joins us on that SDCCU fan hotline. SDCCU remains open. Rest assured your funds are federally insured by the NCUA. For details or to find a branch open near you, visit SDCCU. Dot com. That being said, let's check, traf- check traffic with Kelly Danik. San Diego's freeways are looking pretty good this afternoon. Looks like a little tire debris in the roadway now. South on 125 at the eastbound 8 connector ramp. If you are traveling into the South Bay, everything's good to go. North County ride looks great. And if you're in the East County, you're doing okay. I'm Kelly Danik with Gwen and Chris on San Diego's number one station, 97.3 The Fan. All right, we'll get to the big five in just a second. When and Chris rolls on, and uh, that means that our Stratomatic baseball season rolls on. Padres played in Detroit over the weekend. That's where they would have been had the baseball season been going. Well, we played the Stratomatic game anyway Saturday in Detroit with Garrett Richards on the mound for the Padres. And if you've been following the Stratomatic season, Garrett Richards has been practically unhittable. But on this day, it just didn't go his way. Four innings, he allowed ten hits, he allowed six runs, walked one, struck out one, and even home runs by Will Myers, Brian Dozier, and Fernando Tatis Jr. could not save him as the Detroit Tigers come away with a 9-6 victory over the San Diego Padres, snapping the Padres' three-game winning streak there in the process. Nine runs, 16 hits for Detroit. Six runs, 14 hits, two errors for the Padres at Comerica Park. Matthew Boyd was the winning pitcher for the Tigers. Garrett Richards takes his first loss of the year. His ERA was under one heading into this game. But it's kind of funny how baseball works that way, too. It is. You're having a great season. You're sailing along. You face the Detroit Tigers, a team you figure is not going to be able to do much against you. And everything Detroit hit fell in. And they knocked Garrett Richards out of the game in four innings. So a 9-6 win for Detroit on Saturday. Same two teams will play on Sunday. We'll have the update of that game for you. And then we'll also have tonight's game, which the Padres are back home for the St. Louis Cardinals. Stratomatic Baseball. You can keep up with it on our webpage. It's 97.3thefansd.com. Scraby's got all the recaps of all the games, box scores, line scores. With that loss to the Tigers on Saturday, the Padres fall to 13 and 13. No! It's not so bad. You're so dramatic. (laughs) I'm in a really weird mood today, if you guys haven't 
been able to tell. Is that different? Well, to be honest with you, I have not been able to tell. Really? (laughs) No. Really? No. All right. Sounds all pretty normal to me. Okay. Is that my cue? Yeah. Let's go. All right, cool. It's now time to expand our horizons, step outside the box. Who the hell are you guys? Turn this show upside down. No. Whatever it is, no. Quinn and Chris will now talk about the best of the rest in the one, the only, the extraordinary. The Big Five, which starts now on 97.3 The Fan. All right, we're not going to waste any time, as I tell you guys all the time, so let's just get right into it. If you have any topic suggestions, you can follow me on Twitter, at Matt Scraby, and just suggest them to me. There we go, number five. Number five. Besides the first pick in the draft, many people cannot name what pick most of the other players were chosen at, but the only other pick I think that could come close to being able to be named is this pick right here. With the 255th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Tay Crowder, linebacker, Georgia. So that is commonly referred to as Mr. Irrelevant as the last pick in the NFL Draft. So even if the NFL didn't say it, a lot of people call him that. And it doesn't sit well for some in our society saying that it's just mean. So, Tony... Do you think the name Mr. Irrelevant needs to go? No, I don't. It's clearly you're not Mr. Irrelevant. You're getting drafted. The person who's signing as a free agent might be Mr. Irrelevant. I get it. Yes, we all want to be nice. But I don't think it has to be a term of of disrespect. Um, Gosh, I can't remember the, the Saints wide receiver that had a terrific career. Marcus Colston? Marcus Colston. I don't Mr. know. Mr. Irrelevant. Yep. It was so, he really? Yes. Wow. He was the last pick in the draft. So let's uh let's calm down. We don't need to take everything so literally. <laughs> Chris? Is Mr. Irrelevant too mean? Yeah, we're a little bit too politically correct on just about everything that we say and do nowadays, so I, I, I can still handle a reference to Mr. Relevant. I, I think it's kind of comical, not comical, but it was fitting that this kid drafted was from the SEC because everybody in the draft was from the <laughs> Pretty SEC. Much. Pretty right. much. They had a total, I looked this up, 63 kids were picked out of the SEC. 63 in the draft, uh, 15 in the first round, 40 in the first three rounds. So it was, it was just unbelievable. Um this kid, like Tony said, make a name for yourself. Make another name for yourself. Go out there and earn a spot on the team. Make the club. Help them win some games. Get yourself on an all-pro team somewhere. They'll, they won't call you Mr. Irrelevant anymore. No, they won't. So you got a chance. I mean, as long as you got a chance. Although I've heard from a lot of different people that once you get down near the end of the seventh round, you're almost better off not getting drafted. Just because that way you can then kind of pick and choose from a couple of different options. Best I mean, if you say if you say you're a free agent type like Tazino was uh, for the Aztecs, you normally will have a couple of different teams that'll be interested in you, and then you can kind of pick what you think's the best spot for you to go. Whereas if you're drafted, then that's the one team you have to try to make. 
So it's just something to keep in mind. But no, I don't have a problem, Mr. Irrelevant. Let's, gosh, take the fun out of everything. I think uh, it's very, very mean. Yeah, I knew you would. I'm just kidding. Of course, no, it's not mean. If you're called Mr. Irrelevant, that means you're something that no one else is, (laughs) which is pretty cool, I think. Number four. One major shock of the 2020 NFL draft was the Philadelphia Eagles taking Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts in the second round, mostly because they have the face of their franchise, Carson Wentz, at 27 years old, and they just paid him. So here is our guy, Chris's guy, most likely Chris's guy, Mel Kuyper Jr., talking about the pick. (laughs) One thing we know for sure, he can run those RPOs. He can do what Lamar Jackson did before Lamar Jackson became an outstanding quarterback. And if that's all he does, and he's a solid backup, remember, he's loyal. He's been in this role with Tua. He's not going to create any issues. He's going to be the perfect backup to Carson Wentz. Now, Chris, people are saying this is a little bit of pressure trying to start a fire under their franchise quarterback, Carson Wentz. Why do you think the Eagles took a quarterback so high? Because he's going to do a bunch of other crazy stuff. I mean, the the Eagles have seen what Taysom Hill has done with the New Orleans Saints. This guy's making $21 million, by the way. Just got a contract extension. I'm talking about Hill for the Saints. Mm -hmm. He's a quarterback who's doing all kinds of fun stuff. Don't forget, Doug Peterson was the guy who ran the razzle-dazzle play in the Super Bowl. Philly special. Philly special, exactly, where Nick Foles ended up catching the touchdown pass. Might have worked even better if you would have had a guy who used to play quarterback throwing the ball on that play. So, you know, the NFL is so wide open now, and so many crazy plays are being called, and so many different offenses are being put in. Nothing wrong with putting in a little package for Jalen Hurts, and Having teams have to prepare for it. Number one, A, they have to prepare for that. B, that's less time than they can prepare for Carson Wentz and the regular Philly offense. I just think they thought this guy's a great athlete, and they want to get him on their side. And we'll see if it works out for him. I, you know, I'm not that concerned. When you get down second, third round picks, you just want the best players you can on the field. And I think that's what Philadelphia was thinking here. Tony, what do you think? Why do you think uh, the Eagles took a quarterback so high? I think because Carson Wentz has kind of forced their hand here. He's been hurt like the last three years, and I know they just gave him money. But if you're gonna have a, uh, if you get an opportunity at a guy like Jalen Hurts in the second round, and you can have a chance to develop them, uh, I think that's one of uh, Peterson's, the head coach, uh, one of his strong suits is the fact that he can develop quarterbacks. Now he can't unfortunately uh, have a healing magic that keeps quarterbacks healthy. Because that's been Carson Wentz, and I think this is an insur- not only is it an insurance policy, but it also gives him, as Chris said, the opportunity to run different for uh, different pack play packages with both quarterbacks in it, and it also gives them a, a quarterback at the same time that they could develop a- into being coming maybe their next quarterback. Number three. When most of the NFL world expected the Patriots to address the quarterback position with. Uh, in the 2020 draft, Bill Belichick and company zagged and decided to punt on the position altogether despite coming into the draft tied for the second highest amount of picks out of any team in the league. Not one was used on a quarterback, and strangely they used one on a kicker in the fifth round. This led people to believe the Patriots might sign free agent Cam Newton as their quarterback, but news out of New England today, it sounds like that that's not going to happen. Here is what Coach Goat Bill Belichick said about his quarterback situation. I like both those players. You know, we've had Brian a couple times, and I think, you know, he certainly gives us a very uh, solid level of play. And, and uh, you know, we have a lot of confidence in him. And uh, Jared had a, 
had a good year last year. He improved a lot, and I we'll see where that takes him. So, yeah, I have confidence in both players. He's talking about Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham, who are already on the team. Tony, why do you think so many teams are passing on Cam Newton right now? Oh, that's where you're going with this question. Yeah, because <laughs> they're they're not going to go. They're not even going to entertain it. It seems like. Um, I think part of the holdup is they can't get Cam Newton into their building to actually physically check him out. He's coming off of a surgery that kept him out the for the most part of the season last year. So, um, when you're investing that kind of money for that type of quarterback, you're going to want to be able to touch. You know, get get your hands on him, be able to. You know, see if that ankle is where it needs to be before you sign off. And um, you just don't see NFL owners really wanting to do that until they can have him in the building. So um, it's, it's going to be a, a little bit of a wait for Cam Newton, not because of his skill level, I don't think, but because there's question marks about his health. Chris, what do you think? Why, why do you think teams are passing on Cam Newton right now? I think Tony hit it on the head. I think that's exactly it. That's number one. Number two, here's the other thing. If somebody in the New England area asked Bill Belichick, hey, are you interested in Cam Newton? You think Bill Belichick's going to really tell him what he thinks? No. I mean, have people not figured this out yet about Bill Belichick? I mean, he's not going to tip his hand. So just because somebody somewhere is reporting that Cam Newton is of no interest to the New England Patriots doesn't mean – that 100% sure Cam Newton won't eventually be of interest to the New England Patriots. There's plenty of time here. There's no hurry. We don't even know when the season's going to get going. Training camps are going to get going. And I am not going to sit here and be critical of Bill Belichick's draft. I, I just, I he's just, he's just he's earned the right not to be. He's, he's earned the right to draft yeah. 26 kickers if he wants to in the first 26 pit. I don't care what he does. It doesn't seem to matter. He's going to put together a pretty quality team. And obviously, he wasn't too enamored with any of the quarterbacks that were left available to him when it was his turn to pick, so he just didn't pick one. You know, there's no law that says you have to pick one. And there's a lot of different ways you can get one. All right. Number two. We have to go through these kind of quick, but they're they're kind of quick topics. Uh, Jameis Winston is reportedly going to sign with the New Orleans Saints uh, to be the backup quarterback to Drew Brees. Now, is Taysom Hill going to be mad? No, he's not mad because they told him before free agency even started they want a traditional backup uh, to go along with the tag team of Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. So, Chris, do you think this is a good move for Jameis Winston? Um. Yeah, it's not a bad move. I mean, there's a chance Drew Brees may only play one year. There's also a chance Drew Brees may play another three or four years. I, I wouldn't put it past Drew Brees, but, I mean, if if all Jameis Winston can do right now is get a backup job, then New Orleans is a pretty good place to get it. Yes. It'll teach him some good things, maybe. Tony, what do you think? Yeah, there's a uh, there's a blueprint to this. His name is Teddy Bridgewater. Mm. He sat as the backup for two years behind uh, Drew Brees, and look what it got him. He ended up getting an opportunity to play, which boosted his stock further. Uh, and then he got assigned a huge contract with the Carolina Panthers. If I'm if I'm uh, Jameis Winston, I'm trying to learn from one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it, in Drew Brees, and with a an offensive mind uh, that they have in in New Orleans. So. I think it's a good fit for Jameis. He has him a chance to kind of look at it from a different point of view, learn some things that he probably doesn't know yet, 
and, and have a chance to pick it, pick the brain of one of the greats. I think this is a good fit for James. All right. So I think we really did figure out who was the... John Payton. I couldn't remember the head coach's name, John Payton. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think we finally figured out who was the actual evil one between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady because you know how we talked about Tom uh, walking into the wrong house last week trying to look yeah. for Byron Leftwich? Bad, bad week. Bad week for Tom. Bad week for, for bad month for Tom getting kicked out of a park, too. Well, CBS Sports NFL insider Jason Lockenfora has reported that teams are miffed about the fact that Brady was able to meet with his offensive coordinator before the uh, season really began because every team has been banned from uh, talking to each other. So Tom is getting a head start possibly on uh, learning the new offense, moving to Tampa Bay by being able to meet with his offensive coordinator. It's against the rules. So teams are telling Lock and Fora that they have conveyed their dismay to league officials and are anticipating some stern discipline for Brady and or the Buccaneers as one source told as one source told Pro Football Talk what Brady did was totally illegal so Tony instead of Tom Terrific should we call him Tom the Cheater no these what? GMs need to go jump in the water and cool off because <laughs> because listen they can't first of all they're going to have to be able to prove that they actually sat down together and went over the playbook because if I remember reading the story correct he was going over to pick up a playbook. Oh, from this, his... this story is carefully crafted from Tom's end. Oh, Byron was leaving it for me because we we're social distancing, so that's why. Oh, so you're saying Tom planted the story. I, I'm thinking that's what exactly what happened. Once this hit the wire, he's like, oh, my gosh, everybody's going to know that I'm cheating. This, 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 come on, knock it off, man. Knock it off. I, the, the, just stop <laughs> it, Scraby. He is not worried about being caught cheating to, for picking up a playbook. Now, if they can prove it, kudos to them. They can probably get the rules, but this is a little bit far-fetched from uh, some of the opposing GMs and executives. What do you think, Chris? Uh, this is crybaby stuff at its highest, <laughs> highest right. platform. And led by you, the ultimate crybaby. First is that of all, the crybaby police right there? <laughs> yes, First of all, yes, do we even is. know that Tom Brady ever got to meet with Brian Le Byron Leftwich? No. He just went into the wrong house. He never said he got into Leftwich's house. Well, he's not supposed to be doing anything with Byron Leftwich right now because the NFL put a stop I, to the virtual workouts. I am so workouts. sick and tired of the NFL's stupid rules. <laughs> you cannot tell me that people are not talking to their <laughs> offensive coordinators by texting or on a phone call. I mean, this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. ridiculous. He needs Maybe to be in the corner you are the head of the... The worry wart syndrome here. I hope they, <laughs> I hope that they, I hope that they punish every general manager who complains about this. <laughs> there should be a, a reverse fine. There should there. be a reverse punishment for the people that are doing the right things. They're yes. all doing it. Knock it They're off. They're all changed, doing. He just changed to a new team. Is he supposed to just figure it out wait, on the wait, fly? Wait, Tua get well, drafted yes. by the Dolphins and not speak to anyone in their organization? <laughs> yes. We, we gotta, gotta go. get the play. Know? We gotta go. We gotta go. Five o'clock hour on the way. Going to Chris. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.